Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand Ups. Um, I know I usually just go straight into the episodes every week, um, but this week, um, Robin Williams passed away, as you all know, and uh, he meant a lot to me. He was one of my favorite comedians. And I know there's a bunch of tributes and stories going around the internet right now, but I just wanted to quickly share my story of when I met him in uh, San Francisco. And uh, he could have been like, the nicest guy ever really but really miss him he was one of my favorite comedians and uh yeah one day it was a couple months ago actually like end of may and uh, me and my buddy chris who's my roommate we decided to go see mort Saul at the throckmorton theater in marin county and um yeah we had no idea robin was going to be there and we go to the theater and mort Saul, who's a legend, I love Mort Saul, and we were going to go see him, we are really excited to see Mort Saul, and he performs there every week, and he just picks up a newspaper and he just goes off on the topics for the day, like he'll just riff on whatever's going on, so every week it's totally different, and we get there a little late, we hit traffic, and we're like, oh, you know, will we get in, because it's a really small room, there's maybe only 20 people who can see Mort every week, and the rest just have to si- like kind of sit on the s- like sidewalk or street and watch him through the window. And we get there, and there's two seats left, just way in the back. And we go, Chris and I, we sit down, and the lady runs over to us, and she's like, oh, you guys can't sit there. Uh, it's reserved. And we're like, well, who's it reserved for? Who's going to come see Mort Sal? You know, just, there's no nothing on the seats. You know, can't we just sit here? And she's like, no, you guys, like, have to go right now. We're like, all right, jeez. So we go outside, and we're now we're watching him through, like, a little door crack, and we're seeing Mort Sal through a window, but it's still fine you know we can hear him and he's just really funny and then this car pulls up and two people get out and they start walking towards the seats that were reserved and i'm like oh that's robin williams and he just sat down right next to us he's literally maybe like two seats over from us and i'm like chris that's look it's robin williams and so for the rest of the show Chris and I are just looking at Robin the whole time. We just completely forgot about Mort. <laughs> we're just listening to Mort and we're just like watching Robin and laughing at him. And he's just, you know, we're watching him laugh at Mort, which is amazing. Like, how many times do you get to see Robin laugh at a comedian? He's usually making everybody else laugh. But we're just like totally starstruck. And uh, he was just so quiet. Like, he kind of just snuck in and sat in the back. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Nobody else saw him at all. He just wanted to sit down. And he was really, really. Um, respectful to Mort's show and he just came and sat down and he even would cover his laugh like when he would laugh at something he would like sort of muffle it like put his hand over it and he just wanted to be really quiet and it was so strange to see because he's such a presence when he comes out on stage when you see him on tv or in a movie and he's just kind of you know kind of like a really frail and like just little guy he's really small he's like one of the only celebrities that's my height probably he's like five five and uh yeah he just came and sat down right next to us and just really quiet and calm and just sitting down and watching Mort and uh, Mort finishes his set and I'm like oh I gotta go shake Robin's hand like there's no way I'm gonna miss this and I'm holding Mort Sal's record too I'm here to like meet Mort like I love Mort Sal and you know, I got two of my favorite comics in one day, which was amazing. But I, I go up to Robin, and he's in the house, and everybody sort of, right when they got up and turned around and saw him, just sort of, like, you know, bombarded him. And 
went around him and started taking pictures with him and stuff. And uh, I waited, like, you know, a little bit to see if, you know, he was going to hang around, and he was hanging around. So I went up to him, and I shook his hand, and, you know, before I even said anything, and I walked up to him, he was like, oh, hey, boss, <laughs> you know, in that voice. And he's just like, you know, I'm a nobody, just this kid. And he's, you know, just like right away really friendly, put his hand out, you know, shook my hand, and, um, you know, I didn't even know what to say to him. I, I just... I remember that his album, his DVD I got was 2001 Live on Broadway, and I got that like in fifth grade or something. I was like nine years old, ten years old, and that was one of the first comedy albums that I've heard or saw, and I didn't even know what stand-up was, and I told him, I said, that, you know, changed my life, that, that album, and watching you do that on stage, I would do that golf joke that he would do from that record to all my friends at school, and it was that record... George Lopez's Why You Crying and like Eddie Murphy Delirious were like the first three stand ups I've ever saw. So I told him that and he was like, Oh, thank you very much, boss. Thank you. And uh, I, I also told him that I worked at the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. And I only told him that because I read somewhere that he like helped design that club actually. And it's one of the most unique comedy clubs you'll ever see because it has like a museum display case of everything. It has, you know, Lucille Ball's dress, Buster Keaton's hat. Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt, but most of the things in there are actually Robin stuff that he gave to the owner, Mike Lacey. And there's the, you know, Bicentennial Man robot. There's all his clothes from Popeye. There's a bumper car from his movie Toys. And I told him, I was like, hey, I worked there, and I was watching over your stuff, you know, making sure it was all good while we were there. We'd see it every day. You know, I, I would stand by your Popeye costume every single day. And he's like, oh, Mike, you know, Mike Lacey, the owner, is a great guy, great man. And, uh, yeah, and then his uh, wife was there, and I asked him if I could get a quick picture with him, and I pulled my phone out, and his wife was so nice. She was like, oh, you don't want to take a selfie, do you? And I was like, oh, no, and then she took it for us. And, uh, yeah, it was just really amazing getting to meet him, and I thanked him a lot. And uh, he just went into the back room and was waiting for Mort, and I was also waiting for Mort, too, and, uh, you know, I, I remember he was looking for Mort. He's like, oh, where's the boss? You know, I'm looking for him. And, you know, uh, yeah, he's just a great guy. And and Mort was great, too. I waited for Mort, and Mort's, you know, he's up there. He's like 80-something, and I had my record with him, and uh, I said if he could sign it, and Mort signed in. He's like, what's your name? And I was like, Aryan. What kind of name is that? That's is that a Persian name? Are you Iranian? And I was like, yeah. And like this guy knows everything. You know, this guy's probably read every single newspaper since nineteen, you know, forty-seven. So I was like, wow, yeah, I'm Iranian. And uh, he's like, you know, Mossadegh. And I'm like, yeah, which is the prime minister of Iran, you know, in the fifties. And he <laughs> signs, you know, really slowly. He writes, you know, for Aryan. And then he scribbled something. And he's like, oh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Sal. You know, so it's such an honor to meet you and I love your work and everything and I go out and I see Robin go in and as I come out and I heard them laugh like right away but as I got in my car and I looked at the record it said for Aryan and the scribble read long live Mossadegh <laughs> he forgot to sign his name <laughs> at the bottom of it so I have a record that Mort Sal signed and only I will believe he signed it nobody else will believe it but yeah anyways that's my story, uh, how I met Robin, and 
it's just such a shame because there'll never be another actor or comedian as good as him ever i don't i can't imagine another comic could do what he did on stage ever again and um we're gonna miss him i mean his movie i saw flubber was the first movie i ever saw in a movie theater i was like five years old i think flubber i saw it at the United Artists Theater in Vegas with my family a trip to Vegas because there's nothing else for a five-year-old to do in Vegas. So my parents took me to go see Flubber. And then, you know, Mr. Doubtfire and Patch Adams and all those other movies came out and Aladdin, of course, and Dead Poet Society and Good Will Hunting and everything. So, uh, yeah, that's just my story of how I met Robin and how, you know, he means so much to me. But we're going to go into this interview um, you're going to love this interview. It's hilarious. Uh, Barry Rothbart is one of the funniest guys, and we actually we couldn't meet anywhere. We couldn't meet at my house or his house, so we had to meet at this diner. And we went inside, and, there's you know, diners always have music playing, and we sat in the back kind of by the kitchen, so the plates were, like, clanking around, and my microphones pick up every noise. So we did a little test in the back of the diner. Didn't work. So we actually recorded this entire interview in the side street of a diner next to, like, a construction site. So... I thought it was going to go terrible, but it actually came out to be, like, one of the greatest-sounding episodes, I think, thus far. And so, you know, who knew the acoustics of an alley are superior for podcasting? But uh, Barry Rothbard's really funny, really talented guy, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Hey guys, what's up? You're listening to Sit Down with Stand Ups. This week I got a very uh, special guest. He's been on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, uh, Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, Conan, and The Wolf of Wall Street. My guest is Barry Rothbart. Yeah, what's up everybody? How are you, Barry? Good. How's your day going? You're missing so some credits. You've done all the all, <laughs> all of them. Good punked. <laughs> punked, that's right, yeah. Um, I was on Cash Cab. Remember that game show? Were you a yeah. guest on it? I was, yeah. That's awesome. How far did you get? I won. You won? Wow. I won, yeah. That's incredible. I won like 700 bucks. That's awesome. That's so <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the coolest moments I had ever in my life. And how was Punked? Um, punked was great. I got fired. I got, got fired, fired from Punked. Yeah. Why? Well, they give you like an NDA, which is like a do not disclose. Like you can't tell anyone you're on the show. And I signed with a new agent when I was on the show. <laughs> and they like made an announcement. Wait, we should mention that we're at a diner. Yeah, we're outside of a diner right now, and yeah. Tony Hawk just skated by real quick, so there's going to be some noises. Yeah, Tony by. Hawk is just so annoying He's in just this area. just ripping it. Oh. Oh, it's <laughs> like, are we get it. You're a skateboarder, man. Um, yeah, yeah I got fired because uh, my, my new agent posted in The Hollywood Reporter that I was on Punked, and they were like, you can't tell people. And like people called Punked and were like, I'm going to look out for this guy. He's never going to get my clients, oh. like other managers. And how does so like, I got fired. Did you think you were getting punked when you got fired? Or <laughs> um, no, it was just it's, really sad. And oh, really, I'm sorry really, to hear that. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up, though. <laughs> but you also did The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Yeah. That's awesome. That was, what, last year or a couple years ago? Um, I did that two years ago. Two years ago? It was my first late night spot, and, um, I mean, yeah, it was amazing. That was a great set, too. I loved it. Oh, thanks, way. man. It was really funny. I appreciate it. The that. Dance, the Dancer uh, bit that you do? Yeah, that's a really popular one. That's it's funny. Like, <laughs> I look back on it now, and I'm like, I feel like I've changed so much. Like, you look back at old sets yeah. when you're a comic. I don't know how long you've been doing it, but 
you kind of look back at some older sets and you're like, man, what the fuck was I doing? Even though other people wouldn't notice anything, they'd right. be like, oh, that was great. <laughs> but you're just like, what did I do with my hands? Why did I do that? Why was my hair like that? What the fuck was I doing? Just check every detail, yeah. like back again. Yeah. Can Baron Vaughn come over? Do you know Baron Vaughn? Oh, yeah. Comedian? Baron, come here for a second. Baron Vaughn just walked up. I'm walking down We're doing a radio show. And Barry Rothbard's doing a radio interview. I'm on the phone with Phoebe Robinson. No! Yes, actually. I know you no way! Yeah, she she's hi. the worst. Stay away from her. You're doing a radio interview? Yeah, Baron Vaughn, uh, you might know him from... Uh, explains these condenser mics. I saw you at the Punchline in San Francisco. You did? Yeah, like six months ago or something like that. Or oh, you last year? I was just year? there last week. Yeah, oh, that's so awesome. So you actually saw Phoebe then, because Phoebe was with me. No, I saw you in... Oh gosh! Last year when I was in college up there, oh, I forgot. The, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't remember when Phoebe was last with me. I An appearance by Baron Vaughn. Yeah, this, this is, is awesome. huge. Phoebe Robinson on the phone. What are some of your credits? What? Oh, some of my credits. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've been on Conan. Conan. He's and, been on Conan. Toast. I was on Ferguson. He was on Ferguson. Uh, I was on Comics Unleashed. All right. Uh, I was in the movie <laughs> Black Dynamite. All right, that's oh, all right. Nice. Cool. I Baron Vaughn, everybody. I was, I was in Clover. Oh, that's Field. enough, man. <laughs> uh, I think it's over. I was in all right, thanks, dude. Guys, <laughs> Appreciate Girl, it, man. Mark yeah, this is fun. Uh, I was in the Kings. All right, of Baron Vaughn, everybody. <laughs> I'm currently playing Kumail Nanjiani okay. on Silicon Valley. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you may have seen me as Barry Rothbart <laughs> in The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bye. see ya. Wow, that was awesome. You never know. Hilarious. Yeah. You never know. See, that's why all of your episodes should be here. Just because you never street. know what comics. Yeah, somebody just walked by. <laughs> Baron Vaughn. Um, yeah, he uh, he's always around here. I don't know why. He's I feel like he was around. faking a conversation on the phone. <laughs> he's the type of guy who would do that. <laughs> and then show up on somebody's podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, he'll retweet it now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put him in it. Just have comedians walk by. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, yeah, the Tonight Show is amazing. And uh, I actually, not a lot of people know this, I had two vodka tonics before I went on stage. Are you serious? Yeah. Just to relax? A Just to relax bit. a little. That's awesome. I'd never been on live TV. I think the fear that you that goes through your head when you're on live TV is you're just going to forget what to say. Right. And then, like, what do they do? Like, you're not going to redo it. <laughs> you can't edit you know? it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not live, but still, like, you don't want to be the guy who fucked up right. your set, you know? <laughs> It's like one chance. Did Jay come out and talk to you like before? He was so cool. Jay is the coolest dude. Yeah. Be, people don't, I, I feel like he gets a, a raw deal because I think his audience is a little older and um, he's not as like cutting edge as Conan is, but he is the nicest. He got a real bad funniest dude. with Conan. And like I worked at the he Comedy did. Magic yeah. where he performs every Sunday. Nicest guy. Like Nicest guy. And it was not his fault what happened. No, yeah. People don't realize television. that. I think people like, are like, you retired and then you come back. Is he didn't retire. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy thing is, like, he at some point was told, like, remember when Conan was huge, like, right. in the mid-90s, late-90s? Like, everyone was watching Conan when he was in New York. Late night, yeah. Late night. And they were like, Conan, you're going to take The Tonight Show. And Jay was like, I don't I don't want to leave. And they were right. like, you're going to leave. And then Jay, Jay's ratings, like, went crazy. And they were like, fuck, we promised Conan The Tonight Show. five years, yeah. Yeah, and they were like, all right, I guess we have to give it to him. And Jay was like, what do I do? And they're like, well, we're going to put you on a different show. And they fucked everything up, and it was a big mess. It was all NBC's fault. Of course it was NBC's fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he come and say something to you before you did your set? Jay was like, that guy loves stand-up more than anyone. 
and he actually spent a ton of time with me in the dressing room beforehand and when wow. I was getting makeup, just shooting the shit about stand-up. That's awesome. Yeah, I heard he talks to comics, like, all the time, like, right before you they talk do talk to comics? Show. We're good. Thanks. Thank you. Because the waiter came by. <laughs> um, yeah, he talks to comics all the time, and he was, like, he was just the nicest, the nicest What did he say to you, like, before you went? Um, what things was this mid-vodka? Gin tonic or oh yeah they're totally fine with that <laughs> they're like awesome. yeah they were like don't get drunk but like if you want one or two because it's so strange like doing late night stand-up is so strange like you have to it's at 4 30 in the afternoon it's zero to 60 because right. no one has done stand-up on the show before like a monologue is not stand-up right and then all of a sudden this guy you've never seen is talking about his life it's like very strange <laughs> So you have on to before really you really lose. Uh, I was actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because I was supposed to do couch time. I was supposed to actually talk to Jay on the couch right. after my set, but they didn't have time because Zach Levi, who's the guy from Chuck, I don't know, Zachary oh, yeah, Levi, yeah. he did this long story that kind of went nowhere, and I was so pissed because he went long, so I couldn't do couch time afterwards. Oh, dang. We had, like, the whole thing worked out where, you know, Jay, like, went over what we would talk about. Right. And then he goes long. And I was so mad, like, you know, Jay brought me over after my set. Yeah. I, if you watch, like, I think there's a cut on my website of me being brought over. Because, like, the internet clip that NBC has doesn't have it. Right. But the cut that I found has it. And I come over and I slap Zachary Levi in the face a little bit. I saw that, actually. Like, yeah, kind of like a little YouTube. slap. <laughs> and he goes, oh, he gets, like, really mad. <laughs> and I was just, I don't know, it just, like, came out. I was, like, mad at him. I thought I mean, you just knew like, that In guy. the moment, I just slap you had, him. You know, idea no. Who he was. <laughs> no, and more people spoke about that than like that my was set. So funny. They were like, "Did you slap Zachary Levi in the face?" <laughs> it was like a playful, like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Exactly. Like, yeah, it was yeah. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That's hilarious. So, did Jay say any like words of like encouragement or anything like before, or was he just um, hanging out? No, he was just like he, he. He thought it was so cool. He almost thought it was cooler than I would that than I did. That it was like my first Tonight Show. Really? He was just like, "This is such a big moment, man! Your first Tonight Show." Like, this is like every comic has this great moment when they before they go on stage. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> like he just was like living vicariously through me. But he's like really funny. I don't remember exactly what he said. There was no like advice. He's <laughs> just no talking. Way. Yeah. Have you seen his set before? Like his stand up? No. You should catch him at like Comedy Magic Club mm-hmm. in Hermosa. He kills. Like, oh, he's of been course. doing the same material for like thirty yeah. years probably, but just joke after joke, and every week just kills him. Yeah, I feel like. Um, I feel like he is the most simple person to ever work in this industry. Like, <laughs> I don't think he wants anything except to do stand-up. And wear the same blue and denim cars shirt every day. And wear denim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I've never seen someone get in and out of denim quicker than <laughs> Jay Leno. Like, he was like, I swear to God, he was in denim when I showed up and he was talking to me backstage. I think, I'm not even exaggerating, 20 seconds later he was in a three-piece suit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then as soon as the show ended, like... He didn't even go backstage. He was already in denim. <laughs> just a superhero. Like, somehow he just gets in and out of denim quicker than I've ever seen anyone do That's it. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I went to taping once, and he came out to talk to the audience real quick in denim, and went back, and in a minute, in comes a three-piece suit. suit. Yeah. Amazing. And it, Hair's like, perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's amazing. And then you did Conan, like, about a year after that? I did Conan about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And how was that? Was that, like, the same kind of, like, your... Conan was weird. I was in the middle of shooting Wolf of Wall Street when I did Conan, and I hadn't done stand-up in a while, and um, I felt, like, really loose. Like, I felt, like, way looser doing Conan than I did The Tonight Show, and um, it was just a different experience. I feel like Conan, you could be a little weirder, like, you could take your time a little more. Like, it's not as, um, it's it's not as, like, it doesn't have the, uh, 
the formality of doing the Tonight Show. Right. But uh, yeah, Conan was cool. I didn't talk to him as much as I spoke to Leno, but I was a little more starstruck by Conan because he was like my hero growing up. Yeah, I grew up watching Late Night like every day. Always. Oh, yeah, so I watched good. Letterman and then Conan. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Does Jay Leno listen to your podcast? No. Okay, <laughs> we watched Jay too for the monologue. Yeah. Clear oh, I love Jay. Great. Good friend. Jay's a good friend. Great comic, yeah. <laughs> and then you were doing Wolf of Wall Street during that. And that was like, you said you were working on that for like seven months? No, I was working on it for like five months. Five months? Okay. I was on it for the whole run of the show, and uh, I had like a big arc. My character had a big arc, and they ended up cutting most of my shit. But I'm like in it a lot. I have yeah. some scenes where I'm speaking. It and was like, what, Peter de Blasio? Was Peter de Blasio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was Peter de Blasio. That's like one of my favorite movies. I love Scorsese. I thought you were going to say that's one of your favorite characters. No. <laughs> Peter de Blasio, man. Um, I go as Peter him de Blasio for Halloween. Guy. Team Peter de Blasio. <laughs> um, no, that's a great movie, and I've seen it so many times. Yeah, it was amazing. It was pretty cool, man. Were you like cool, a big man. Scorsese guy? Like huge. You, yeah. Oh, man. And we got to talk to him a ton. I got to talk to him. That's awesome. And we would talk about film. And there was there was one point where, like, we were so casual talking about film that, like, I brought up uh, one of his movies. <laughs> and he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I made that. And I was like, I forgot <laughs> that you, like, make these movies. Which like, he's movie just such a it? fun dude. Mean Streets? Mean Streets. That's yeah. awesome. Uh-huh. Um, he loves comics, too. Right? He does, yeah. He, he always, always like he had Rickles and like Alan always King books comics, yeah. and like he got Dick Smothers and Casino, just like random. He comedian. just like he loves comedy. He's always loved comedy. He's a big laugher. Like you could crack any joke around him, and, and he'll crack like, up. He's just like a huge laugher. What was like the one of the jokes that you tell him to just get him going? Uh, I remember Were you one to make time, him laugh, like for a little bit. Yeah, I remember during the uh, final audition. The the final audition was really strange. It was in a hotel room. Um. Because he he doesn't like going to like studios for auditions. He just likes having a real more casual vibe. Yeah. Um, and we fucked. And um, <laughs> then after we fucked, uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, we he just like set up. It was him and the producer in a hotel room, like a big suite at the at the um, the Gansevoort Hotel in uh, New York. And we go up there, and he sets up a phone in a t- at a table in the room. And it, the idea was just pick up the phone and pretend you're pitching a client like that's how I auditioned for the thing wow and he's like just go nuts just go nuts and uh, I did man I just freaked out like I splashed water in someone's face like <laughs> I ended it by being like I gotta take a shit and I ran into the bathroom of the hotel <laughs> like I had to take a shit um, yes yeah, so it was amazing I and mean he's got, just a huge laugher that's awesome yeah do you think he likes comics because uh like Our car is starting so next to us. Yeah. We're, like, we're actually taking off in the back mm-hmm. of a pickup. It would be great if we were lying that we were outside of a diner. <laughs> this is just all Foley artists. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just creating effects. these sounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do you think he like, likes comics more because they like to improvise a lot? or? Yeah, I, I think it's just a, you know, what makes his movies, gr- a lot of his movies great, like Goodfellas or Casino, is they, they're not, they don't take themselves so seriously. Yeah. There's kind of like a little bit of a heightened reality to his things. And I think if you get comics who can act, you have like a little bit of levity. You know, like think about Joe Pesci, like right. the scene yeah. where Joe Pesci was shooting, you know, hey, get your shine box. You know that scene? If that was not a, a funny actor, like Joe Pesci would be the most unlikable person right. to exactly. ever be on screen, yeah. you know? <laughs> like Joe Pesci, like the fact that he's a funny dude, like. You almost liked him, but he was a sociopath. Right. You know? That was an improvised scene, too, right? A lot of his shit. Oh, oh my God. All of Wolf of Wall Street was improvised. I, I read somewhere that he would just, like, come out and he was like, 
Scorsese would just come out to you guys and be like, so what are we doing in this scene? Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah, no, there was no... You just riffed the with script, He just threw out the script. Like, there wow. was basically no script. That's incredible. <laughs> like, you would just... He, he'd be like, what do you want to do in this scene? And he'd be like, whatever it is, just make sure it's, like, extreme. Like, everything had to be extreme. Wow. Like, the most cursing, <laughs> the, the, being the most awful about something. Like, if you were talking about drugs, yeah. it couldn't just be doing drugs. You'd have to be, like, doing it while choking a hooker. Or, like, you know... <laughs> like, everything had to be the most shocking. Yeah. So everything was just so over the top. Right. Did he yeah. make you like read the book, or like did you get a little gist of what was going I on? I mean, I or? did, but yeah. he didn't make us. But like, you know, but you like, knew what was like you? happening for like. Oh yeah. What was going? Yeah. Well, the thing was, that the scenes didn't like make fully make sense till I saw the cut. It was just like a <laughs> lot of craziness. Just. And then you read. see the cut, and you're like, oh, I see where everything fit. Right. But they cut out so much stuff. Yeah. Like, there was one plane orgy scene, like, where we're on an, a jumbo jet. I saw that. You're in one of the snapshot like, yeah, yeah, moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there's, a plane, there's, like, an orgy on an airplane, and that was, I mean, the way they shot it, I was like, this is going to be, like, an hour-long orgy scene. <laughs> like, there were so many things. They shot one of me, like, getting choked with a belt on this thing, oh and then turbulence hits, and I'm, like, fucking a girl, and we fall over together. <laughs> it's like, it, it, there were so many moments, but they end up showing, like, you know, 20 seconds of it. Wow. And yeah. was this just a plane, like, out in a studio? Like, Oh, yeah, they built it in a soundstage in Brooklyn. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. They just built the fuselage of a plane. And the turbulence was all just, like, hydraulics and stuff like that? Or? No, we had to just fake it. Like, the camera would move. Oh, like Star Trek? You just had to, like, roll with the turn. The camera would move, and we would have to go, whoa, and you'd be like, fall to the left. <laughs> and we'd so fall cool. to the left. Yeah, no, nothing, very little of this film. Actually, I'm going to say none of this film was filmed outside of New York. Oh, wow, I had no like, idea. Even the scenes in Italy, the boat scene was on a soundstage, wow. you know, where the yacht With is, the helicopter. With the helicopter was oh on a soundstage. That's crazy. Or they filmed outdoors on the on the actual ocean in New York. Wow. Um, the wedding Bahama scene was in Long Island. I was going to ask you, where was that? Yeah. <laughs> it was all in New York. The whole thing was in New York. That's incredible. And, like... Um, did did you get to like hang out with like the other like because Jonah Hill's in it and like oh was, yeah man there's yeah, some uh, other we were, were there other out. comics that were like doing those? yeah I was part of a crew um we kind of booked the the roles at the same time it was it was me Henry Zabrowski who's like a New York comic and improviser sketch guy really funny uh, this guy P J Byrne who played Rugrat who's the guy with the wig in the movie oh, okay yeah he's a comic too. Uh, he's a comic actor. Okay. Like, he does mostly comedy. He was in Horrible Bosses. Oh, yeah. Funny scene in Horrible Bosses. And um, Brian Saka, who's also a comic actor. And Ethan Suppley, who's like, you might know him as the guy in Mallrats, like the heavier guy in Mallrats. Oh, yeah. And he was in My Name is Earl. Okay. I don't know if you know that guy. Um, Who is he in Wolf of Wall Street? He plays um, Toby, who's like Leonardo DiCaprio's... uh, Muscle, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. with the yeah. mustache, and with the mustache, yeah, yeah. and then uh, Kenny Choi was another guy in our group, and then Jonah, nice. and that was like we would all do everything together. That's so I mean, cool. Jonah obviously did more stuff without right. us, but like that was like the crew. Like our trailers were together. Like it was just like <laughs> we're hanging out all the time. And it was just five months. Like on it was and for off a long or, time, yeah. on and off. We just would get together. Like at, at some point, we started to like become the characters. Like we would go out <laughs> and drink, and just like go nuts. That's and like so start cursing out women <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Just turn into a bunch of method yeah, actors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> That's so cool. Yeah, it was a great. It was it was crazy, crazy, crazy experience. And you're also working on 
this movie called Hungry. You co-directed it. Oh, it's out. It's yeah, out. it's out. Um, it's on um, iTunes and Hulu okay. and um, Amazon and all that shit. It'll be on out. Netflix at some point. I saw a trailer for it. It looked really interesting. Yeah, man, that took like four years. That wow. movie was nuts. And you guys just interviewed like all the. Well, it started out. We were just gonna do like a funny doc about eaters. I should then, explain. It's a documentary about competitive yeah. eating, and it's like all those guys, like Kobayashi. Yeah, and my fans know. It's fine. <laughs> they don't need to. Um, yeah. That, so it was about competitive eating, and eventually, like in the early stages of a shooting, Kobayashi gets arrested at the Nathan's hot dog event, and we're like, "What wow. the fuck is this?" Yeah. And that's what the documentary started to become about. Because then he he actually gave us like crazy access to his life. What did he get arrested for? Um, he he was in a contract negotiation with Major League Eating. That's like the sanctioning body. Yeah. And they're very abusive. They're financially abusive to their eaters. And he kind of wanted out. And they were like, well, if you want out, you cannot compete at the Nathan's contest. But he showed up anyway, and they had him arrested. Oh, my God. For trespassing. There's So there's a National League of Competitive... Ma- Major League Eating. Major is, League And they're, like, evil. Really? That's what a lot of our doc is about. They're kind of like the fucking... They're like FIFA. Darth Vader of, <laughs> of competitive eating. They're really bad. That's and they, they get these eaters in crazy contracts, but they can't get out of it. And um, and so, yeah, we kind of exposed a lot of that. We followed around him and two other guys for a year. And um, it's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's wacky. It's gross. A lot of it's really gross. <laughs> like, it's pretty graphic. Well, it's about, like, how they train and, like, they drink, like, gallons of water before yeah. they eat to, like, yeah, to loosen stretch their, their stomachs. stomachs. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, and it's it's obviously horrible, like for them, like their stomachs get. Well, you know, there was a lot of doctors were like, the body can withstand a ton of stuff. Like you don't have to. These guys don't eat like that all the time, right. and their bodies can bounce back. But you don't you don't know the long term effects. Like a lot of the, the really successful ones are skinny and in good shape and don't have any really real health problems. But you never know. They were like, you know, how far can you push it? Like, maybe at some point you could tear the lining of your stomach and right. die. Yeah. You know? It's I don't like know. Extreme. Yeah, but like pressure. the thing is they don't have major health problems, so. Yeah, I looked at the trailer, and they all, like, lift up their shirt at one point. They all have six-packs, mm-hmm. like, after they eat the yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it was actually dogs. proven that if you have fat, it doesn't, your belly can't expand as well. That's crazy. If you have fat. <laughs> yeah. So these guys try and, like, they even have a theory. It's called the belt of fat theory. Like, that's why the thinner guys... Have, can expand their stomachs more. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Because Kobayashi's like not a very big guy at all. Like he's no, he's tiny. He's like super scrawny and like yeah. Man, that's crazy. He's like jacked. He's like in good <laughs> shape. Was he a cool guy? Um. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't speak English really. Oh, okay. But, so, yeah. so he has a translator. But he's like you know he gave us access to you know he's he's kind of like an artist. Like a lot of these guys were more blue collar kind of football watching dudes that go out to these contests and right. eat a bunch but this guy is like he hangs out with like the intelligentsia of, J- of japan like he hangs out with like famous ballet artists wow. and and he goes to like the fanciest martini bars in new york <laughs> like he's like it's the art of yeah he's like how you would how, he, he's like a famous architect almost like he, crazy, people yeah. treat him like he's he's like one of the you know really highbrow artists of, from japan <laughs> Oh, that's all right. <laughs> some old guy. Some some old guy just came out and goes, "Sorry that I took a whiz." <laughs> that was it. And now he's lifting his pants up as he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Variety named you like one of the top ten comics to look out for last year. Last year, yeah. 
and yeah. you were on that with like Adam Devine, Michael Che, che and Michael Che, yeah, uh, Dan St. Germain, Brent Morin, uh, Brent Morin, uh, Jenny Slate, and yeah, a few other people. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. That, like, yeah, my do, mom thought it was really cool. Did that do stuff like for like when you're oh yeah, it got me a bunch stuff. of meetings. I, I mean, after all the Wolf of Wall Street and all that stuff, like you know you. I feel like you can uh, get more auditions and meetings and stuff. Um, yeah. I got on an NBC show, and then it got canceled or didn't get picked what up. What show is it? I shot a pilot for – I was actually the lead in a pilot for uh, uh, NBC from the guy who made Borod and Ali G, the guy who wrote it with Sasha Baron Cohen, oh, this guy really? Dan Mazur. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he had this crazy, funny pilot um, called Love is Relative, and uh, we shot it a few months ago, and then NBC was like, nope. Really? Yeah, oh, but I went. Through, you know, we went through the whole process, and it was crazy. Like I'd never what, like been... determines that that it gets picked. At up At some point, they're just like, no, not, we're not going to pick it up. It doesn't have anything to do with viewership, does it? At that early stage. Well, they have focus groups and stuff, but I heard it tested really well. That's you so never strange. know. Yeah, yeah. Those guys. I mean, I was amazing in it. <laughs> I was so funny. Can we see the pilot anywhere? Is it like no, online? no? Maybe one day it'll be released. Yeah. It was really funny. Dang, man, I wish that was yeah, going right? through. Yeah, I know, me too, man. <laughs> Sounds like it would have been yeah, awesome. trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Comedy Central, you're doing a half-hour special for them this year? You're one of, like, the 15 that were chosen yeah. to do their half-hour Yeah, show. probably in a few months. Have you taped it already? Or? No. No, okay. Well, because the NBC pilot, I couldn't tape it a few months ago because okay. I was doing that. Right. But I'm going to tape it again next year. Cool. Where are you taping it at? Um, probably Boston. I Boston? feel like that's where people do it now. That's awesome. where they they tape them. Yeah. And I just sold a show to Comedy Central. Wow, really? Like that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. What's the name of the show? Barry's Last Days. Barry's Last Days. What's yeah, it about? Yeah, look out for it. Um, it's I uh, <laughs> I play a guy, basically like a version of myself, and I find out that I might get diabetes in the next few years, <laughs> and I feel like that's a death sentence. So I like live my life out to the fullest, like as if I'm dying and. You know, try and do good things for myself and other people, but it's just really selfish. <laughs> it's just like really selfish stuff. Kind of so like an eastbound and down type thing. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. I love that show. That's great. Congratulations. When oh, are, thanks, man. When are you uh, starting taping for that one? Oh, I don't know. We're still in the script phase. Of script it. phase? Okay, yeah, but. Cool. Um, are you writing it mostly yourself? And I'm writing it with a guy named uh, Danny Solomon, who's another comedian. Okay. Really funny guy. Yeah. And, That's so uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's That's cool. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, man. What are you doing? I'm doing nothing. <laughs> this is it. No. <laughs> this is the highlight. No, the only thing, I mean, in the last, like, I, you, you do nothing for a long time, and then all of a sudden you have, like, three things you're working on yeah. at the same time, and you have no time for anything, and then you'll have periods of time where you don't do anything for a month, and you want to kill yourself. <laughs> Sorry, too soon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's all promising stuff. I hope it's good. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be shot around here in L.A., or is it going to be based in New York? Hopefully or? L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's going like to be Eastbound and Down, too. That's awesome. Like, Eastbound and Down meets Barry Rothbart. Barry it's, Rothbart. It's basically copying Eastbound and Down. That's so cool. Ripping it off. Well, like, to go back a little bit. Uh, no. How long? No, we can't go back. No, we've all. gone too far. Well, hypothetically, uh, when you started comedy, how old were you when you started comedy? Hypothetically? Yeah. When I started comedy? <laughs> If we can't, I mean, take does it all anyone start comedy? I guess. Kind of yeah. just do comedy. It just happens. <laughs> when I was born, maybe. Well, when were you like really interested in comedy? Oh, um, I did my first show when I was eighteen. In uh, I did in Massachusetts. I was going to college there, and it was actually the day after September 11th. Oh wow! It was September 12th, two thousand one, 
and I'd always wanted to do stand-up and I just kind of called around, called like a bunch of clubs and was like hey can I do a show like I want to do stand-up and one place was like yeah if you bring four people it's called a bringer show right yeah and I was like I'm not gonna bring four people I'm just gonna pay for admission and I got there and they were like no you can't do that you have to still <laughs> so I had to get a bunch of people from like a hotel lobby to, I'm like I'll pay your admission can you come see I got like two people and they were like all right we'll put you up last and it was it was weird because it was right after September 11. There were a lot of people at the comedy club. A lot of people, yeah. Club? There was a ton of people. Wow. At that time, it wasn't called September 11th. It was just it's like just... the thing that happened yesterday. Yeah. Um, and they were like, "Don't talk about it. Whatever you do, do not bring it up." <laughs> and um, I don't know. It was weird. I, I bombed really bad. It's like the strangest thing is, you write all this stuff, like leading up to your first stand-up gig, and then you end up being like. None of it works. Right. You know, and yeah. you just like after I got through three drugs, I was like, I just got a riff. And then that made it even worse. <laughs> it's strange because you hear your own voice through the speakers. Like, that's the weirdest part about doing stand up for the first time is like, I remember hearing my own voice come through the speakers. And I was like, that's what I sound like. <laughs> you know, like when you hear your voice on an answering machine. Yeah. True. And I was like, that's like, oh. gross. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't believe I sound like that. Did you get heckled or anything? I did. At some point, I was like, uh, I brought up Bill Buckner, like who was the <laughs> baseball player for the Red Sox, and he uh, he like lost them the World Series in '86. Right. A lot of people know about it, but I don't know why I did it. I was like, and everyone was like, "Boo!" <laughs> I was like, "I'm so sorry." Like, which is the worst way to handle people booing when you're a comic is just being like, "I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that." And uh, and then I didn't do it again for like a year almost. Yeah. And then I started again in uh, 2003, really. Okay. Like to really do it for real. So I've been doing it for like 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. And you were already in a Scorsese movie and already you have a show on Comedy already. Central. That's amazing. It's weird. I feel like in stand up, if you started younger than 25, I feel like a lot of those years are a waste because you don't even know who you are yet. Right. Like, I feel like I would have done it. Like, if I think when you start later, it you have a quicker ascent because you you can you know who you are a little more. You have a point of view. It's like, what the fuck is a 21-year-old going to talk about? Exactly. You know? <laughs> what do they know? How old are you? 22. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, but that's when you become funny. So you have a jump on everyone. That's why right. a lot of people who start young can make it at a younger age because they, they've, like, learned how to be funny. And then they get a little older and they have an opinion about right. the world. And then all of a sudden, they could start getting things. No, I, I did the huge mistake of trying to do, like, a political topical joke one yeah, time. And yeah. I did, like, a whole set. I was like, I'm just going to do, like, monologue topical yeah. jokes. And I went out and I started, like, you know, making fun of, like, this and that. And all the whole crowd was just like, oh, God, this kid. Like, what does he know? Like, and how long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing it maybe, like, a year, like, on yeah. and off. And, like, my, I did the, actually the same situation where I started, like, when I was, like, 19. And then did horrible. Like, it was the worst set. It was at this place where, like, people throw bottles at the wall like if they didn't like you it was like the roughest it was like the cantina from Star Wars essentially (laughs) it was so bad and I went on at like midnight nobody was there There there's two drunk girls left in the back and they both heckled me at the same time no it was just worse so I just you know took a year off after that and I try to like come back at it but yeah yeah I I think when you're you know like finding your voice people can make it at young ages like you know like I I remember uh, John Mulaney when he started um, I was in New York like he's we started um I think he started a little bit before me or like around the time I started. And I remember with him, it was just like, he had such a quick rise Yeah. because he just like figured out something about himself at a young age. That's crazy. I think it's so rare. Like I still don't, I haven't figured out most of the things in my life. Yeah. But some people can just like figure out their voice, figure out their point of view. 
and they're really smart and like they could just put it all together really young whereas so I hard, definitely yeah. couldn't yeah that's like my problem like finding your voice and like what am I gonna say yeah like and I think the only way and like when comics go like what do I do like give me advice it's like just do every show right like do 17 shows a night <laughs> like seriously that's the only way some car almost skid out there scraped some everything really nice bends um the I think yeah the time. only is just do every fucking show like yeah. fuck up so many times that's the only way to, to figure, figure it out, it out yeah. yeah I really think so the best was watching like a clip of Louis CK on YouTube when he was like 20 yeah and he's doing like dolphin jokes and yeah, like yeah. just random absurd yeah. stuff and Oh, Corey. He did that until he like until like five years ago, four years ago. <laughs> he did, yeah. yeah. And then Shameless and everything came out, yeah. right? Like he was just doing random jokes about whatever. That's awesome, yeah. And then so you started when you were around like eighteen, and you did a little bit through college. Yeah, I guess I didn't go full steam until I was maybe twenty. What'd you major in in college? Finance, oh. and then uh, and then I went into film production. Okay. And drama. Nice. Um. But it was a waste, man. Fucking college was such a waste. I did the business route too. It did not pay off. <laughs> it was, a, and then doing film is a waste. You yeah, know, it's like you don't learn anything about making movies unless you watch a ton of movies all the time and also fuck up a lot. Like get on a set and just like try and shoot something. And everything I learned with like shooting things is was just from trying it out and failing. And yeah, editing my own things together. Like you could take a thousand film theory. Like basically, what, yeah. What film school does is it just like forces you to make a film at the end of the semester <laughs> and tells you like what a gaffer does. You know, like that's really it's like not, what does a gaffer do? I, I don't, don't know. It's know. stupid. It's like film school is was such a waste. Unless you're going to NYU or USC where you make a bunch of connections. Yeah, it's like it's just it's a waste. Man, useless. I went to Hofstra. Oh, nice. And it was like nice. It's like <laughs> Hofstra is the biggest meathead school. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um. But I love Hofstra, and, you know, they're <laughs> awesome. If anyone from Hofstra is listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just like, I felt like it was a waste. It was, you know, you just, it just forces you to do something. But if you can self-start anyway, it's like, don't, don't put the amount of money you're going to put into college into college. Like, put it into a film. Yeah. Like, if you're going to put 20 grand into college. You can buy a camera buy, and everything. Buy equipment. Like, buy your own shit and yeah. just make your own shit, you know? Exactly. I think. And then, so, you... Started, when you first started out, were you, like, writing the jokes out, like, word for word? and Or do you still do that? Like, what's your writing process like? Do you work on stuff when you're on stage? Or? I have a team of writers that get together <laughs> before every show. And I just give them <laughs> what I did that day. And they come up with something. And then, and then the I say line. that, yeah. <laughs> I've never written anything, really. Really? No, yeah, no. I, no. <laughs> I, uh, I did. I started out uh, writing out every word of jokes. And then I realized that's insane because comedy is conversation. Right. You know, it's like not, it's not a monologue. You know, you're not writing dialogue, you're not writing dialogue for a scene. And like, if you go into a conversation with someone, you don't have a scripted conversation, right? right. I mean, you kind of just like have bullet points of what you want to talk about and then you talk. Unless you're like a one-liner comic, then you have to craft every word of it. But yeah. I was never a one-liner guy. Um, so I just figured out at some point that like, the best way to sound conversational on stage is to just pretend you're having a conversation with the audience and just say certain bullet points of jokes that you want to hit and then work them out. And it took me years to figure that out. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And so you just work on stuff on stage and what was, do you remember like your first joke that really like worked for you? Like, or like, just yeah, hit? I used to, my first joke that worked was 
I said, because uh, I was kind of chubby. I was like really chubby. And I would go, uh, I'm kind of fattish. Like not fat, but fattish. <laughs> like the kind of the point where blankets don't fit you anymore. <laughs> and that was like, I remember being like, wow, that's an amazing joke. Yeah. Like, God, I wrote the best joke ever. I think I did it for like a year. That's awesome. Like, yeah. And it totally killed like the first time you I did it. I guess so, yeah. That's I so think cool. I, and then at some point I started to like, I was listening. I think a lot of comics become derivative of comics they like because mm. they listen to their albums too much. Right. And I listened to Dave Attell's Skanks for the Memories maybe a thousand oh, times in a month. That's yeah. And I started doing Dave Attell, <laughs> which I think so many comics, like, like there's guys out there now, there's like the Mitch Hedberg guys who right. do Hedberg. There was the Dane Cook guys for a while who just basically ripped off Dane Cook. Uh, now there's a lot of Jesselnicks. I see a lot of Aziz guys. A lot of Aziz there's guys. Like yelling. Like yelling <laughs> and kind of, yeah. Oh, no. Talking about rappers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I was David Tell, and then someone luckily came up and was like, you're doing David Tell, man. You can't do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I wasn't. And then I went home, and I was like, I got to rethink everything. Wow. So yeah. you just had to, like. How do you like find your voice after that? Just go back up and I think I think the truth is you steal a bunch of people's voices without realizing it right. and you make a conglomeration that no one could recognize eventually. And it becomes your own, yeah. And it becomes you. That's uh, like, like music we all, too. Yeah. yeah, we're all on the shoulders of giants, right? Exactly. Like we're all like nothing comes out of a vacuum. Like you you're learn inspired. a Hendrix lick, a Keith Richards yeah, yeah, lick, yeah, yeah. and then you come here, you, you know, become your own thing. John Mayer. <laughs> <or> yeah, <whatever>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then upset, eventually yeah. you, you know, you figure out what makes you funny. You know, like what makes one person funny doesn't make someone else funny and you right. figure that out and eventually like you hope that uh, it translates on stage and then um do you remember like one of the best shows like what's the best show that you've like ever had like in the early days or like just in general 2004 <laughs> <laughs> the best show I ever had I mean I remember the highest stakes show I ever did I I remember it was it was in Montreal doing New Faces, oh, wow. which is like I don't know if your listeners know what that is, but it's like do you know what it is? Like New Montreal Faces Just for Laughs is like the bigger festival that right. people go out to. Which year were you at Montreal? I did 2011. I was a New Face. Okay, and that's like the biggest like stepping stone for a new comic, like where you go from kind of like level zero to level four in your career. Yeah. Like, that gets you an agent and a manager, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's there. Like, all the best Well, yeah, at this point, they were picking... I think at that point, there was only 12 or 14 new faces. Now there's, like, 40. Oh, wow. Now there's, like, new faces on rep, new faces characters, new faces whatever. So it was, like, huge. It was, like, huge. It was a huge deal. And I had auditioned, like, four years in a row. And I was, like, I'm never going to get it. Finally, I get it. And then the first show they throw you into is in this giant theater. There's maybe like 300, 400 people, and they're all industry. It's basically everyone, oh, everyone that you're ever going to be hired, but like who's ever going to hire <laughs> you like for NBC, your career. Comedy Everybody, Central. every yeah. agent, every wow. manager, like everyone in the industry is there. And no one tells you this. And you're kind of like just working on this five minute set forever, and you just have to go up cold. And I went first, I remember. Oh my God. You just have to kind of like do your set for you everyone. Opened. I opened comics. it. Oh my god! And um, it was just randomized. But the first show, I remember, I was just like, the "How'd you stakes do?" Were, it was great. I yeah. did really well. That's Luckily, awesome. I was like, "But it was the stakes were so high." And then I feel like the next few shows weren't as good, but it wasn't as like important as the first show. Right. Um, but I was so fucking nervous. Did you get to meet any of like your like heroes or anything when you were there? Tom Green. Oh wow, that's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah, man, Louis was there. Anderson, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and CK, 
Uh, who's there that year? Uh, Tina Fey was there that year. It's weird. You just like hang out at Bossy this place called the Hyatt. Too. 2011 or Yeah, yeah, like I think so. That's so cool, yeah. You just like hang out at this hotel that everyone goes to. The Hyatt? You just like, yeah, you hang out with like <laughs> agents and managers. and It's just every part of it is so intense. That's so cool. So it's just a comic filled hotel. It's just a comic filled like hotel a week. for a week. That's yeah. so cool. It's really rad, yeah. Have you been going to Montreal since? or? Yeah, I went again. How does it work? Do they invite you? Do you go? Or like... Oh, they invite you, yeah. They invite they just, you? I did a taping for HBO Canada last year. So funny as hell. Oh, cool. Hosted by John Doerr, who's a really oh, funny yeah. comic. John Doerr's great. John Doerr's I saw him amazing. at the Punchline, too, actually. Yeah, he's great. And, uh... I don't know, yeah, I taped a set for HBO Canada and I never heard from it. I don't, it's probably out there somewhere. I have no <laughs> idea. Just repeating on yeah, HBO yeah, Canada yeah. all day. Um, it's really it's really cool. It's like sleepaway camp for comics. Going That's to that so festival. cool, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Who are some of your like influences like when you were a kid? or David Tell. David Tell. <laughs> um, Besides I was David really Tell. more influenced by sketch than stand-up. Like SNL and like SCTV. SNL. Um, one of the biggest things was Mr. Show in my oh, life, yeah. which is the HBO series mm-hmm. Bob and David, David Bob, Cross, David Cross, and Bob Odenkirk, and that like man, I was like, I gotta get into comedy. Like that was the coolest. Um, as far as stand up, I feel like I watched so much stand up, but I was never like, I feel like everybody goes like Richard Pryor, or I was more influenced by actors like Will Ferrell and you know the SNL people, and Adam Sandler was a huge influence oh, yeah. on me. Um, as far as stand-ups, though, like the classic ones, Steve Martin was always amazing yeah. for, to me. Like, I like that silly stuff more yeah. than, like, the Carlin or the Pryor where you tell it like it is. Right. Like, I've always been more silly. No, I grew up with Sandler, too. Yeah, it was, like, silly. Favorite. It was yeah. stupid. <laughs> how the hell how the Yeah, yeah. I still love Shut it, man. <laughs> Someone once said that, like, every everyone's favorite class of SNL was when you were 14 or, like, 13 or 14. Like, when you were a kid, that's yeah. your favorite class. When I was 13, 14, it was going through that, like, rough patch, I think. But I grew up when I was, like, seven or eight when they were doing Sandler and Farley and, like, Chris Rock and all that. What's your guys. favorite year? What's your favorite class of stand-up? Oh, man. Of, like, well, who were the cast members when your favorite year? It was definitely, like, Sandler, Farley, like, yeah. Colin Quinn as, you know, Weekend Update. Yeah. And, like, uh, but I feel if you, if you speak to younger kids, like, there's, like, the Will Ferrell, you know, Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Well, Norm MacDonald was back then, but, like, Will Ferrell, Tina Fey... Fallon was best Fallon. with Farrell when they were doing like the Parnell. hot tub sketches and like Jimmy yeah. just couldn't even like couldn't. hold the straight Yeah, he made a all. living by not being able to commit to like, anything. Everybody was like, why don't you fire him? And Lauren was like, well, he's not doing it on purpose. So like he just <laughs> kept him like Good the Lord. whole time. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, like Mike Myers was great. Mike Myers was amazing, man. All I remember those guys. He did the, the British kid who was in the bathtub, uh, Simon. <laughs> oh, yes. I that was like one of the coolest. <laughs> I remember I, I used to say, hello, my name is Simon. <laughs> I always did that. Yeah. Mike was great. And then, yeah, Wayne War- Wayne's World was there and everything. Yeah. No, yeah, when I was a teenager, I was going through some weird, like, they were firing everybody and then they brought, like, everybody back. Like now. Yeah, and it's like going through that same loop again. But Yeah, yeah. Did you ever want to do SNL? Oh, yeah. I still do. Still do, yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, I had, like, four friends that got it last year. Ooh. I was so jealous. Well, Brooks Whelan is, like, he was recently fired from it, but he was one of the cast members this past season, and we, like, we did sketch together out here for a long time. Oh, wow, yeah. We did videos and stuff, and he was, like, one of my best friends, and he just, like, he, he got it actually from USC, doing Montreal. Right? 
No, that was the Good Neighbor guys. That was Kyle oh, Mooney yeah. and Kyle uh, Mooney. and Beck Bennett went Beck to Bennett. USC. Okay. Yeah. Did you know those guys too? Yeah, or? yeah. That's so cool. I had a sketch group in New York, the Straight Man, and we used to open for them. Oh man. Yeah, we were not very good. We were like, we just would fuck Who'd around. Who'd you do the Straight Man with? I uh, was uh, me, Nick Turner, who's a comic in oh. New York, and um, this guy, well, Mike Ennis, and then Rob O'Reilly were two guys that were in it. But we were just, we, man, we just were doing. We just wanted to be weird. Yeah. Like we didn't put a lot of thought into it. Like we would have whole sketches where we just kind of like made noises and like rolled on the ground. Like it was very avant-garde. And yeah, we opened for them a few times. And then good neighbor like, would go on. Yeah, because I knew I knew Nick Rutherford from years ago, who was one of the good neighbor guys. Yeah. And um, we opened for them. And they were just amazing. Like they just blew. Like we were like, what are we doing? We're just like <laughs> idiots. And yeah, they like have my like group friends would watch all the Good Neighbors in yeah. high school and like quote it, and everybody's like, it, it was even weird to quote Good Neighbor because people were like, what are these guys talking about? Like it was so like out there, like comedy. But so it was out so there. brilliant. Like it yeah, was, it was brilliant. And it took them forever to finally get recognition. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. When, yeah, once I saw that they all got signed, I was like, oh, finally, like yeah, the comedy that I'm really into. It's like a no-brainer. Like, yeah, being exactly. on SNL. Yeah. Um, so you definitely want to do something like a sketch group or something like that. Again? I've always wanted. Like I always did stand up, but I always like also have been combining it with acting or writing or sketch or shooting like because i don't know stand-up gets fucking brutal it's just after a while it's just just doing stand-up is tough for me right i do really appreciate the comics that can go and like do both and act and then like be hilarious like at a club or something like that yeah i don't yeah i don't know how well i do it like like, wall street and like and then watch (laughs) you like on conan like right afterwards it's like really cool and then maybe just last couple questions uh what was the worst set that you ever had uh, I once did a set in New Jersey at this place called Images, which is a terrible dive bar, and it was during Game 7 of the World Series where uh, the Yankees were playing. I don't remember who they were playing, and uh, they shut off the TVs and were like, all right, comedy's starting, and I oh, had to no. host it, and people were just like, fuck you, get the fuck out. Like, people were so fucking mad. There was only, like, four people there, too. Oh. Imagine they were all there to watch the game, and they shut off the games and were like, here's stand-up comedy. And I remember the uh, the guy who owned the place had, like, a really bad black eye. Like, he came there, and his, like, one of his eyes, like, he just, like, just got punched a few hours ago. And I was like, and we were all like, what happened to you? And he was like, don't worry about it. Like, Let's get it was the most Jersey... Like, everyone in there looked like a Bruce Springsteen video. <laughs> it was crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. And it just... Did, did you guys do your whole set? Like... Oh, did yeah. Did people leave? Or well, like, people what? got really mad. Yeah, no, we didn't do our whole... Like, we got, like... I got, like, halfway through seven. mine. Yeah. And then people started, like, really complaining, and then eventually they turned it on, but it was, like... It was brutal. That's so funny. Yeah. Try any crowd work, like at that point. Yeah. Hey, wh- wh- what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you guys? Here what are you guys for? wearing? <laughs> Yankees jerseys? What's with all the Yankees jerseys? <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you so thank much for you, doing man. this. Had a great time. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Barry Rothbart. You can catch him at the Sacramento Punchline. Oh yeah. When is this airing? Thirtieth and thirty-first. Yeah. It's gonna be Labor Day weekend. This Monday. Oh, it's coming out Monday. Yeah. Do you have any shows next week down here? Um, well, I could also, I guess, promote, uh, I'm doing, a Hungry is screening at, uh, the Silent Film Theater, Cine oh, Family, awesome. on, uh, August, as part of the Everything is Terrible Festival. I don't know if you know those Everything is Terrible guys. Uh-huh. It's this festival that's going to be out here. So, when are you Saturday the 30th at 30th. noon. Okay. Yeah. 
Are you going to be there? Cause I'll be there, yeah. Okay, so cool. is Kobayashi. He'll be there, too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely be there, then. Very cool, cool, yeah. Come by. Very I'll get you cool. seats. And uh, Labor Day weekend at Punchline in Sacramento for all my buddies who live up there. Yeah. Definitely come and catch him out. Really funny guy. Thank you so much, Barry. Thank, Thank you, you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you.